Hello, my friends, and welcome back to another episode of The Informed Catholic. And uh, this one's going to be episode 45. And we're going to talk about, I have two articles on the movie Father Stew. I haven't seen it yet, but I want to talk about it. Uh, so when I do see it, it's going to be in quite a while because of my schedule, unfortunately. I'm hoping to see it uh, with my brother. Uh, hopefully in a weekend, we'll go check it out, check out Father Stu. Um, but I want to do, I want to do these two articles. They're from a crisis magazine. And so, um, before we begin, please subscribe and share. If you like this podcast, you enjoy it, it would be a great help. So I'm going to play the trailer to, um, Father Stu. Okay. All right. Hold on. Let's see. In the NBA playoffs, anything. All right, here we go. Hey everyone, I'm Mark Wahlberg. I am so excited to share with you the trailer for my new movie, Father Stu. I found his story to be so inspiring that I knew I had to find a way to bring it to the big screen. Here's the trailer to Father Stu. Figured it out. Yeah, seventh time's a charm. Oh, God. You don't belong with those L.A. folks. They're a bunch of fascist hippies. What brings you here? And I figured no better place to be discovered than the supermarket. Hey, did I see you on a television series? You do movies? You don't work in the entertainment industry at all? No, man. You don't know you're fussing with this truck? I'm the son. He's boring it. I reckon it's a few months worth of cleanups on aisle four to pay off the DUI income. What can I get for you, miss? I got beef? I can see that. Hey! Hey! Let's not waste either of our time. I'm a Catholic. Why ain't that what confession's for? You can't date someone who isn't baptized. I thought you was gonna say Hispanic. Where's the water? I'll do it now. I know I'm not what you used to. But not what you deserve either. Life's gonna give you a gut full of reasons to be angry. You only need one to be grateful. Push! I saw something in you worth saving. It is up to you to decide what you've got to offer. This is the place you told me you believed in me. I thought it makes sense being back here to do this. Your son is about to make a huge mistake. Well, I'm going to be a priest. For Halloween. Hmm. I'll pray for you, Bill. Don't you dare. You're violating my rights. There's a man going round. We've all been wrong, and we've all done some wrong. But he came to forgive us. Everybody won't be treated all the same. There's no easy way to deliver this news. You have a progressive muscle disorder. The muscles weaken until they cease to function. Is there anything it doesn't mess with? Yeah, erectile function. I'm trying to be a priest, pal. The wise men will bow down before the throne. I don't know. I don't know. Why? Cast their golden crown. Men don't lose when he gets knocked down. But when he won't get up. Ah, baby. There is concern amongst the diocese that your infirmity will render you unable to be a priest. Listen to the words long written down. What you guys get one phone call a week in here? Who you gonna call, huh? When no one else gives a shit what you got to say, God does. When the man comes around, he ain't giving up on you. 
Don't you dare go giving up on yourself. Hear the trumpets, hear the pipers. One hundred million angels sing. Where are you going? Well, I gotta get your ass to church on time. Who are you here to visit, sir? Mother Steele. You and everybody else. We shouldn't pray for an easy life, but the strength to endure a difficult one. Well, you can't say I never gave you nothing. Yeah, I skipped over thanking you. Went straight to the source. Exclusively in movie theaters. <laughs> All right, so that's the trailer. Um, as you can see, there's, uh, <clears throat> I guess you can say profanity in there. And uh, it's quite interesting. I mean, it's based on a true story about a, uh, a man named Stuart Long who came from a very dysfunctional family life, um, grew up in a very dysfunctional home. Uh, his family suffered uh, some tragedy. Uh, from what we know, he had a brother, a baby brother that died. I believe in his sleep. If I, you know, I, I don't know exactly the details. We're about to find out. And, um, you know, the family sort of had a very, let's say, distant relationship with God. No, or no relationship at all. And um, he was a boxer. And I know he had to give up boxing because of a bone infection. The doctor told him he couldn't keep, go on. And then he decided, as you can see, he wanted to go to Hollywood to become an actor. And from the way Mark Wahlberg betrays uh, Stuart Long, I don't think he had any acting lessons. He just, he, um, he's, he was a very lively fellow. I mean, he, when he put his mind to something, he put his mind to it. Uh, like, you know, he's going to do it, but he didn't really think things through. So he gets a job working at a uh, supermarket in, I guess, L.A., in somewhere near Hollywood. And um, he thought he was going to get discovered. But then he meets a attractive Hispanic woman uh, he's very attracted to. And she's a devout Catholic. She teaches uh, catechism at this uh, local parish. She's... Not interested in him, but he pursues her. I guess some would say stalking, but it was rather very... Others would say there was an innocence to it. He really liked her. But she's a devout Catholic. And then he decides to convert for her. And I'm guessing that's going to be a very interesting... Uh, part to see how he he does he understand he doesn't really under, I'm going to take a guess he doesn't understand what his conversion what getting baptized and being Catholic means so let's just say we're going to take a, a, a logical guess that's going to be a bumpy road and then he has an accident um, he gets hit by two trucks riding his bike home and you know, I'm skipping over because from what I heard, there were other incidents that happened. There's a scene in the bar, but I, like I said, I haven't seen the film, but this is basically the plot from what I read and from what I heard. Cause I looked at a lot of the, um, 
uh, YouTube channels about it. And he, I guess, ha during his recovery, he has time to think. And he goes to a conversion. And he decides he wants to come become a priest. As you can see, his mom says, for Halloween, right? <laughs> you know, so he's not priestly quality. Uh, but he doesn't give up. Then he finds out as he's going through seminary that he actually has some form of a Lou Gehrig's disease, a multiple sclerosis disease that's degenerate, that's going to kill him eventually. He's dead now. Father Stu is long past. But he, through his suffering, he goes. He grows closer to God. Remember in, in the podcast, the last one, that we're living in a very materialistic generation that does not, that is very selfish, that is very um, cold, that lives for pleasure. Father Stu's story is a response to this generation. This is, you know, it's it's a remarkable story. It's a kind of like a soul of Tarsus sort of story, but not, he's not a religious person. Stu had no understanding of what Christianity is or what Catholicism is or who God is. But the fact that he's someone who suffers this bodily dysfunctional disease, this disease that's actually slowly killing him, and then he decides to become a priest and decides to, to give himself to God and be a channel to lead others to God shows you what God is communicating to us today. We are seriously in trouble, our generation. We are, are overly sexualized. We are overly material, material generation. We are selfish, materialistic generation that has no love in our hearts. You know, abortion is a good response to it. Just transgenderism is a is is a good is a good example of what's killing us. So, I think this is going to be interesting. So, let's. Um, Let's go on and check out um, the articles. It's going to be interesting. All right. Let's look and go back. All right. So this is from Crisis Magazine, April 22nd, 2022. Father Stu, A Beautiful Story of Redemption. It's by David Hahn. Um, if you recognize the name Hahn, he's Scott Hahn's son. So, um, let's see. Holy Saturday is one of the strangest days of the year. Coming on the heels of Good Friday, the atmosphere is still full of sorrowful meditation, yet mixed with awareness of the coming joy of the resurrection. In this divergent mindset, I found myself and two close friends sitting in the Cinemark movie theater in Robinson, Pennsylvania to see the new Mark Wahlberg movie, Father Stew. I had mixed feelings about seeing the film. Initially excited by the trailers, I had seen or snatches of interviews with the producer, 
My enthusiasm was cut short by a crisis review by Austin Ruse, his description of the blunt vulgarity and cringy dialogue. We will look at that. Uh, that will be one of the, that will be another article we're going to look through. A dialogue had me expecting something between the room and the wolf of Wall Street. This was almost enough to dissuade me, but my curiosity got the better of me, and so I ended up in the Pennsylvania theater on on Holy Saturday, bracing myself for the worst. The worst didn't come, not even remotely. I did not find blunt vulgarity, but broken and aimless human souls. I did, I did not find cringy dialogue, but stirring performances from actors who seemed to know the point behind their words, even when those words were lackluster. I do not want to spend much time dealing with Mr. Rue's objections uh, to the first half of the film because there is so much good about, about it that I would like to focus on. But in the meantime, let's turn to those lackluster words. While the dialogue is by no stretch perfect, I would hold back from such words as sabby and corny. Quibby is more accurate and representation. The dialogue aims less at simulating true-to-life speech and more at communicating to the character of each speaker. In the scene where Stu and Carmen, the love, the love interests, uh, meet. Stu is overly confident, which is expressed by such explanations as, I got beef. Carmen is collected and quick-witted with a comeback like, not much of a fisherman then, are you? This exchange and others throughout the film are rough to read on paper, I admit, but they are as salvaged in the film by the actor's expert delivery. This leads me to the more controversial topic, the language. Was there crass dialogue and more than the occasional F-bomb? Yes. The film had a much more mainstream approach in its language. I could have done with less, and I would not recommend this movie to a younger audience. That said, it was no more language than I, ha I heard around my construction crew or at the local dive. This movie did not fall prey to gratuitous vulgarity. It pointedly used its language to distinguish Stu in his backwater origins from other characters, like Jacob, the polished but pastorally impotent seminarian. Okay, he's talking about Jacob, uh, a, a fellow seminarian of Stu. There are two occasions where sexual impropriety is suggested. One involves Stu putting the fear of God into an authority figure who made homosexual advances toward him. The other is shocking for how little it shows. Given this film's Hollywood pedigree, at the end of the day, Stu is rough is a rough character who comes from rough and broken family. Speaking of his family, let's get into what I loved about Father Stu. I love the characters in the film. I got I got to the end feeling like I had met real people with real struggles. Whether it was Jacob, the good, the goody seminarian, Stu's father, Bill, uh, Stu's father, uh, father, uh, Bill, who just wanted to be his son's hero, or Carmen, the indirect inspiration for Stu's vocation, 
No one felt lost or wasted. Most of all, I love Stu's conversion and how it flowed from the first half of the movie. The central question Stu faces is why had God taken the better brother, Stephen, and left him? A disappointment? The first half of the film deals with Stu's internal struggle for control. His desire for control is rooted in the loss of his brother, Stephen, which Stu blames on God. Stu wants nothing handed to him. He wants to earn everything. Carmen is a conquest, and Stu uh, and, and his conversion to Catholicism is just to win her. Stu has defined himself by this fight for control. And it is precisely this that needs to change for him to undergo a real conversion. It is a scene at a bar. A guy sitting next to, next to Stu, later revealed to be Christ, tells him, The toughest fights are the only ones worth walking into. You bring a tough guy to his knees. The first few times he feels shame, rage, eventually relief. You ain't owed nothing, but you're getting a chance. Stu is seeking relief, but this will only be found by being brought to his knees. Does Christ use crude language to reach Stu? Yes. But do we believe that Christ is able to condescend to our messiness and meet us where we are, where we are at, according to the film and the gospel also a resounding yes. This scene is followed by Stu's accident and his vision of Our Lady. Far from Catholic illiteracy, this tender moment expressed to me how well the movie understood Mary's pivotal role in the story. And as our mother, cradling her injured child, injured more in soul than body, in this scene, she assures him that he will not die, to which he responds, You can tell your son I'm not afraid of a little fire. There's, there is his fighting spirit. She responds, he died for you and for Stephen. Wow. The subtly reconsensualizing re this loss of his brother in Christ's own sacrifice. Stu later describes this moment to Carmen as a turning point, saying, the feeling Mary gave me. I knew I could stop fighting. I knew I knew I could stop fighting. I knew I was safe and love, loved. His fighting spirit is not put out, though. It's merely refocused. He says that to win a fight, you got to use logic, humility, good judgment. If that's the struggle, I can do it. I can help. The priesthood is his new arena, and the prize is spreading the gospel. There is far there is far more I could say in praise about the second half of the film and how it deals with the problem of suffering, but I will leave you but I will leave that for you to discover in summary. I believe Father Stu is precisely the kind of priest we need in the face of institutionalized sexual morality, a movie industry that ex extols the antihero and a church hierarchy that seems more concerned with its image than real conversion. Father Stu brings us back to the epic story of the average man's struggle with suffering and transformation in Christ. Sacred Scripture reminds us, 
whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, praiseworthy, think about such things. While Mr. Ruse's review raises some valid concerns by highlighting only, only defects with, with little to no reference to everything great that is in, in this film, I think he ultimately does the average Catholic a disservice. This story is not concerned with protecting our Catholic sensibilities. This is about showing how God can take the most wretched of sinners, condescend to their brokenness, raise them up from their depravity through grace and make them a beacon of light to, to similarly fallen men, a theme not uncommon in scripture. We may choose to wag our fingers at a more mainstream, gritty approach and roll our eyes at the simple story, but that would be unfair to what is a good film. May our eyes and ears be opened as we continue to extol the resurrected Lord and all he has accomplished through men like Father Stuart Long. Um, so, this is by David Hahn. David Hahn is a recent alumnus of Franciscan University of Steubenville, where he graduated with a double major in theology and philosophy and a minor in Latin. He currently teaches Latin and philosophy at Catholic Central High School in Steubenville, Ohio. Okay, this wasn't bad. Okay, I, I, I think I understand everything he's saying here. Um, I'm, definitely, um, I'm definitely interested in seeing this, this movie. So there is another article. Um, actually, I want to go and respond to, to I want to read the article of that gentleman that he pointed out that uh, didn't think highly of the uh, the film. Hold on. That's one we're going to check out. Okay. So let's uh, stop here and let's go to the other article. Okay, so this article is April 14th, 2022. Father Stu, A Flawed Story of Redemption, Austin Ruse. Okay, I cannot express how much I hated the new movie, Father Stu, at least up to a point. Up to that point, I really hated it. I emailed friends how much I hated it. I ra rallied at my wife and children how much I hated it. Hated it. I shouted down the hallway how much I hated it. Down to the stairs, too. I would have shouted from the rooftops if I had a way up. Okay, this is really, um, wow. I thanked my guardian angel that my plan for watching it with neighbors and children were, for technological reasons, dashed. Did I tell you I hated it, at least up to, up to a point? Let me explain. Oh, please do. Like you, I noticed the movie because they are advertising everywhere on, partic uh, on particularly all Catholic websites, including this one. We want to see the Tom Holland movie, Uncharted, recently. Don't bother. Okay, well, he's he's hard to please. Well, I'm not interested in seeing that movie either. Uh, and they showed the trailer for Fathers 2. My 16-year-old daughter turned to me and said something like, Isn't that against the law? Meaning, how did Hollywood let such a Catholic movie get produced? We looked forward to seeing it. 
One of the things that crossed my mind was that at long last, we're going to get something other than the usual sappy, bad, badly made Christian movie. The ones I cannot stand. Here's, here was Mark Wahlberg, Mel Gibson, and he was being released by a major studio. The Catholic PR group was sending around promotional emails, and I, and I responded. They kindly sent me a link so I could review it. I noted it was rated R. They said it was because of language. And language, oh boy, the language. Today, we are used to a few F-bombs, but I was not prepared for the quite, quite blunt vulgarity. I will get to that in a minute. <clears throat> Father Stu is unlo- is unlikely story of a foul-mouthed, drunken ruffian who finds God through a woman and becomes the most unlikely of priests. What hit me sideways were two things first. The relentless vulgarity. Second, how badly much of it was written. I will start with the unlikely dialogue that does not have the feel of reality, but rather of a Hollywood screenwriter, and not a very good one at that. The Wahlberg character is sitting in a bar next to a boozy blonde. Wahlberg gazes up at a deer head mounted on the wall. The dialogue goes this way. The woman. Best kind of date. Bedroom eyes keep her mouth shut. Wahlberg. I like a woman who prefers to say who she, who she is. The woman. Who do you want me to be? Wahlberg. I want a menu. I got to. I, uh, I go to a restaurant. Woman. Sometimes I need help getting out of character. Stranger uh, sitting nearby. She'd. Well, I guess the f bomb here. That the that, that ilk is it's a deer. If I had a. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna say it. Stranger things nearby. She'd fuck that elk. It's a deer. If I had to. Um, dick and a dollar. If I had a dick and a dollar, Wahlberg punches him and says, "A real man earns and wins his own damn merits." This is not only vulgar but uh, patent, patently phony. No one talks this way. It's a phony film patter. Well, for a guy who has sense, um, this is me talking now. Who's sensible about? Who's very uh, sensitive about such language? <laughs> Trust me, there's a lot of stupid things people say that don't sound realistic. I sometimes can't tell the difference anymore myself. I mean, there's so much vulgarity that I don't know what does sound real and what doesn't sound real when it comes to vulgarity. And who cares? Seriously. I mean... I, I mean, he's, you know, he, I think he's missing the whole point of the picture, which is what um, David Hahn is pointing to. Yes, it may not sound, you know, but it's just vulgarity talk. And vulgarity talk is just vulgarity talk. I mean, he's, he's really missing the point here. All right, let's go back. This is not only vulgar, but painfully phony. No one talks this way. It's phony film patter. At one point, Wahlberg is getting drunk in a bar. He falls into a conversation with a hippie-looking guy. Turns out he's Jesus. Wahlberg looks him up and down and says, I'd F you up if you weren't effed up already. Jesus says, someone beat you to it. Get it? Jesus tells the Wahlberg character, 
Life is going to give you a gut full of reasons to be angry, kid. You only need one to be grateful. Wilberg says that's the most effed ratio since since the number of marshmallows and the lucky charms. It's just remotely possible that such a uh, uh, such a rotor could come from uh, uh, the real Stu Long. Such language could come from the real Stu Long, who had a college degree in English, but never from the Wahlberg character. It's just crying a crying thing that writer-director thought sounded witty. This part of the movie is full of such unlikely dialogue, things folks never say in real life. <clears throat> the Wahlberg character gets a job working the meat counter at a grocery store so that he could meet people in the movie industry. Uh-huh. It comes It comes as calmly... Uh, in comes in the calmly Carmen, the doe-eyed Mexican... Love interest. Wahlberg shouts at her, I got beef. She gives him a meaningful look and says, I can see that. She's looking for fish. He says, can you find fish in a can? And you can let me take you to dinner. I don't like being told my choices. How about I take you fishing? We compromise. She walks away and says, I didn't catch your name. She says, not much of a fisherman then, are you? Do real people have such corny, snappy dialogue? The first half of the movie is full of such unlikely and even cringy dialogue. Again, I think he's missing the point. Yes, it may not be the best dialogue, I totally agree, but I think he's missing the point about the film. And then there is the Catholic illiteracy. I will just mention a few. In order to get Carmen, a faithful Catholic, Wahlberg decides to get baptized. So he goes to classes that Carmen teaches. The class is for little children. They all have ashes on their heads. So we know it's Ash Wednesday. And they're all talking about what they're going to give up for Lent. Wahlberg says he's going to give up alcohol. A little boy says his dad is giving up porn. Wahlberg says the boy's mom ought to give up sex because porn and sex are the same thing. <laughs> okay, it sounds stupid, but you know, but maybe it's meant to sound stupid. When it comes to time to get baptized in church, Wahlberg slowly pulls off his shirt. Yes, he pulls off his shirt in church to get baptized. The Carmen. The carman pans lovingly over Wilbur's pumped-up frame. He leans down and gets baptized. Carmen is beaming. Have you ever seen anyone in a Catholic church take off their shirt for baptism? Me neither. The writer-director first time, Rosalind Ross, loves Wilbur's body in not one but two scenes. She lovingly shows him in his skeeves. Why? You figure it out. And then the language. Oh, well, he's getting back to the language. In these days, you can you get used to a few F-bombs in the movies. The children know not to use them. No one in our Catholic crowd uses them. It's a sorry state that you hear F-bombs everywhere. But everyone knows everyday usage is wrong. Still, you get used to a few of them in the movies. What you don't get used to is so 
very many of them. In this movie, F-bombs are relentless. From the Wolberg character, from his mom, his dad, all the time, and not just a few F-bombs. Consider the scene where the Wolberg character is in the hospital and learns about the disease that will waste all his muscles and make him an invalid. The doctor tells him he will need help with everything. Wolberg says, you mean like taking a going to the bathroom okay then the doctor the then he tells the doctor to take this um okay we'll use the word shit out of my <laughs> okay well he's referring to his pecker i had to watch this a few times to figure out if he was talking about a, a cat a catheter there is more in the scene where he's taking He's talking to Jesus. Wahlberg says, "You want to have a, you want to have a well, con, uh, I guess a big, deep contest, bro." Jesus says, "I know how big your D is, son." At one point, he must tell his mother that he that he has this disease. Foul mouth character that she is, she says that he ought to ask God for a cure, and you can be his bitch. Wow. It was up to this point that I was railing against this movie to all who would listen. I had not yet finished it after watching the rest of it. I became truly conflicted because the third and final act was quite good and quite moving. I'm sorry. It's just that he knew what he was getting into when he was watching this movie. Why would you be surprised any more about this. I mean, they obviously made it quite clear there's going to be vulgarity in the movie. Stu, okay, let's continue. I was up to this, okay, he said uh, the final act. Stu enters a seminary. He is a changed man and an inspirational. His disease is wasting him. He walks with crutches. He can hardly feed himself. There is a scene where he and another seminarian his nemesis speak to inmates at a prison. Clearly, his nemesis cannot speak to these men. He loses them almost immediately. Stu pipes up. You, guy, you guys get one phone call a week. You can't call your wife. She has another man. You can't call your kids. They hate you. Only one, only one you can call is God. He will never give up on you, and you should never give up on yourselves. <clears throat> the problem is, is that Stu is crippled. Cripples can't be priests. The seminary rector, played by uncredited British actor Malcolm McDowell, kicks him out. Stu enters a dark night of the soul. He comes to realize that, he's, that his suffering is a gift from God. He comes to accept it. His father, played by Mel Gibson, becomes a changed man, too. He takes Stu back to Montana to care for him. And then one day, his father takes him to church, where he is surprised with an ordination to the priesthood. His bishop has given in. Has given in. Stu delivers a deeply moving sermon, but his suffering, which brings his father to, to a 12-step program and to baptism, he even dances with his now-reconciled wife Stu is assigned to the big sky uh big sky care facility and and 
and an assisted living center. Outside the facility, the lines form down the block of people wanting to confess to him. There is a lot of muck in this movie to get to this payoff, but there was a lot of muck Stu had to walk through on his way to the priesthood. This was the arc of his life, at least in the movie version. All the nastiness in the beginning makes sense given to where he ends up. A holy priest changing lives. I hated this movie until the end when it's kind of a, when it, when it kind of made sense. <laughs> Maybe he should have waited to the end of the movie for this. All right. Okay. By Austin Ruse. Ruse is R-U-S-C. Austin Ruse is a contributing editor to Crisis Magazine. His latest book, Under Siege, No Finer Time to Be a Faithful Catholic, is now available from Crisis Publications. All right. Uh, this this was a little bit of a funny article. I'm, I'm going to say this. Um, yeah. All right. So we got one more. All right. One more. Uh, and then we'll, uh, we'll talk a little bit about the film. All right. Our third article is from Alitia, A-L-E-T-E-I-A. Um, it's an article, um, let me see who is it written by. Okay, hold on here. Um, well, it doesn't say here, but I guess maybe at the end we'll get to it. Okay, it's titled, The Surprise Behind Father Stu's Swearing. <clears throat> A close friend of now-famous priest reveals something about his explicit, explicit post-conversion. The movie Father Stu has been making the headlines for many reasons, one of them being its rather colorful language. <clears throat> the movie has been R-rated for the many expletive, expletives that crop up throughout the, the incredible story of a, of a redemption, as well as for some adult content. The wholesome people have not been been overly bothered by the use of foul language. Others, understandably, have found all the profanity too much, and even a deterrent from watching the film. Whether you agree or disagree with the decision to include so much cuss words, the conversation has resulted in some very interesting information offered by one of Father Stu's close friends, Margaret Zink. In a thread of comments on the Alitia Facebook page, people were discussing whether there was no, there was a need for such language, and Zink added her thoughts, revealing a little more about the man known for his straight talk. She says, The profanity was not superfluous. It is a true part of who Father Stu had been before his conversion. He actually had a swear jar in his nursing home room for his visitors to contribute to when they swore as he did, as as he did not swear after his conversion. Okay, so he didn't swear after his conversion. He had a complete change. And so he had a jar in his nursing home where other people had to put money in. All right, makes sense. Do not be afraid of other people's words. The language is not a reason to not see this beautiful movie. Life can be and is gritty. Be not afraid. 
Perhaps one reason it's been a contentious issue is that people don't expect swearing in a faith-based movie. However, Mark Wahlberg, who played Father Stu and financed the project, believed it was important to reflect the true nature of the man and to show just how much he changed after his spiritual transformation, all of which echoes Zink's thoughts. <clears throat> Wahlberg gave an interview with Zink's daughter, Alex, and her co-host, Maddie, for the for their podcast for young people in Montana, the pair also chat with Stu's close friend, Father Bart uh, Tullison, and it's definitely worth a listen. In the interview, Wahlberg talks a little more about the film's colorful language. If you thought there was a lot of swearing in the, in the movie, here's a little perspective. Wahlberg actually cut 74 F-bombs. Yup, it's pretty difficult to imagine that there could have been many, many more. The actor also shared that the archbishop who ordained Stu was very upset initially with the language, as were a lot of people. I got a lot of pushback from the archdiocese about the language, and they, would, they wouldn't let us shoot in the church because there was there were... Um, two F-bobs and two on the two first pages. However, the Archbishop was happy for Wahlberg to share his following comment. It's in encouragement that Mark Wahlberg's passion to make this film is coming to fruition, and we, and we appreciate the thoughtful and dialogue work of the production team. Father Stuart Long's dramatic conversion to Christ before becoming a priest led many people to Christ and the Catholic faith. His courageous witness left a special legacy in the Diocese of Helena. Viewers should be warned that the film contains objectionable language, violence, and adult content. However, it is our hope that the redemptive story of Father Stu's conversion with will invite viewers to to faith and to strengthen believers. And this is exactly what we can take away from the story that moment Stu converted, he was able to abandon a lifetime habit of expressing himself through coarse language. And he was able to invite others to do the same. If that can happen to Stu, it gives us hope that we too can find redemption. Okay. So, there's actually one more here. Let me see this. Wow. It's, um, you know, I think you got, you can't, you know, I mean, come on. How many, how many films have we've had Christian films where they were just unrealistic and corny? Now, maybe the film Father's Do may not be completely perfect, but I think if it can communicate to people about God, and about faith that people can change. And did, didn't Christ our Lord come into the world where there was probably a lot of crass language? Maybe there's a possibility we can say that the apostles weren't perfect, that Simon Peter possibly might have used a few you know, foul language. I mean, it's not like our Lord didn't come into the world and everybody stop cursing no all right this is another one uh this is an interview with with um mark Wahlberg chats with alitia uh the 
this article about Father Stu, faith, raising teens, and more. Okay, in this inclusive interview with Hollywood star, shares his thoughts on his latest movie and also gives us his little glimpse into his family life. There's a lot of excitement about Mark Wahlberg's new movie, Father Stu, which will be released in theaters, okay, already has been by the time we're reading this. The film is an emotional homage to a man who never did things in half measure and whose journey is a redemption, is only inspiring, but reminds each of us to answer yes to God, even when we're at our lowest points in life. If there was a person to tell his story, it's Mark Wilberg, the devout Catholic actor whose own wayward past included fighting and getting arrested and then led eventually to becoming the best version of himself. He spoke with us about the movie he was so personally involved with, both financially and professionally, in order that Father Stu's story could be seen by all. Okay, uh, Gareth, Gareth Gardner, why do you think Father Stu's story is so relevant today? Wahlberg, because everybody is going through such a difficult and hard time, and we're all going through it together. And Stu's mission was to bring everybody together and closer to Christ. Has the story made you consider things differently in your own life? And if so, how? Well, certainly I prayed for his intercession, especially in making the movie and getting it right and doing him justice and bringing people to their faith. But he's, all, but he's also, you know, challenging, challenging me to do more of my own personal work to bring people closer to God and bring people closer to each other and just to promote love and inclusion acceptance and support and encourage people to have hope and to have faith. So he's at work in many, many different ways. His message is continuing to echo and grow and reach more and more people. But he's also challenging me every day to say, okay, what are you going to do after this movie's over? Now you've got to keep walking the walk. So I'm excited about that because it's so much more fulfilling. You know, it can be challenging at times. It's okay to take a day off. It's okay to lay your head down and say, I, I need a break and then come back, hopefully stronger, but just to do more, be more involved, be more proactive. In the space of two hours, the viewer is a, com a company stew on many highs and lows. And there is a lot of comic relief at, at the end of the, at the end, I was emotionally exhausted, yet there is there was a feeling of exaltation because it's such an incredible story. How are you able to maintain that level of energy to keep on going? And of course, your mom passed away during the filming. How did you deal with that? This is one of the one of those things where this is this is what I'm supposed to be doing. This is the task that was handed down to me. And then you get to continue to do so. I was able to go home during the break from filming to say goodbye to my mom. And then I had to go home again for the funeral. But certainly I was drawing on my real life experience when playing a part that was difficult. But also at the same time, the overall responsibility of making the movie and spearheading, spearheading it was enough to keep me going. After watching the movie, I came out 
with a huge sense of relief in the sense that, okay, we can all make mistakes, but there is so much hope in doing a good work. How do you, t- how do you take that into your daily life? That's the thing that gives me my barking or barking orders every day that I get down on my hands and my knees and start expressing my own my my gratitude and I ask for the ability to get out and execute in the ways that God would want and to do the things that he's expecting of me utilizing talents and the gifts that were given to me in ways and areas that he wants so after that and reading my daily devotional, I usually kind of feel like, wow, I'm going to start off my day really good, in a really good way. And then if I go on and get get some exercise, I'll feel even better. And if that gives me the courage, the courage uh, to to go up to the kitchen and or in the bedroom and take, wake up the kids and hopefully they'll get out of bed and on the right side of a right side of it. <laughs> They're they're at a challenging age now, aren't they? They're in their teens. Very, very. That's what I'm saying. That could also put a damper on things. Pretty quickly, depending on the attitude. Do you think it's hard for them? Because, well, we've seen your daily routine, which seems totally crazy. Do you think for you th- you think for them it's like oh, we'll never be able to live up to that? Well, you know. <laughs> Look, sometimes I'm on that particular routine and sometimes I'm not. I'm going to do whatever my day job requires of me, whether I'm actually in the middle of a movie or doing principal photography in a production and preparing for for a movie. But definitely always wanted to be the best version of myself. So whatever they decide to do, just give it 110%. That's all I really expect, you know. That they may want to go down in a completely different path, and I'm a supporter of that, as long as it's positive and productive. And so I don't expect them to try to outdo everything that I do, even though I know my son and my daughter are competitive in a certain way. You're one of the nine siblings and have four children. Do you have crazy family get-togethers where all the cousins are there? We usually do. My aunt and my uncle were normally the ones who would orchestrate that, but now their children and my and my brothers and sisters try to keep up on that tradition. But we lost both my grandfather, uh, my godfather, my aunt, and my mom, and really, and so many other people. It's been tough, and with COVID and all that. It keeps everybody apart, but to see people come together, even at my mom's passing, the funeral and everything, it was amazing to see how many family members we have and how nice it is when we all come together. As Father Stu's physical health deteriorated from of uh, disease, myotosis IBM, he put on a lot of weight he gained 30 pounds in a very short space of time, around six weeks. Did that change your attitude towards your own fitness? I would rather stay fit to feel good as opposed to looking good. And putting on that much weight in a short amount of time at my age was not good. I'm definitely still feeling the effects of it. Not so much now, but certainly for, for quite a bit of time after. I've noticed that 
you and Mel Gibson, who play the role of father Sue's dad, tend to have these strange, these strange father-son relationship in your movies. Um, in your movies together, do you think you'll ever manage to act together without throwing insults at each other? Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Uh, he laughs. Whether this movie, Mel Gibson's Bill, Bill's, um, Bill's father, Stu, first, second, and third choice to play him. But yeah, we we could play brothers. We could play colleagues. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's many other things we could do. But you know, it's pretty darn funny seeing us in action. If you weren't a family man, could you ever envision being a priest yourself? Deep breath, you know? What I don't know, I never really thought about it. I think I'm finding my own way with the lifestyle that I live and choose to to do God's work. <clears throat> you did pull off the cassock pretty well. Well, thank you. I performed quite a few masses over the years in preparation to play the part. Well, didn't that help? Absolutely. If you want to be to be believable in the in the role, you've got to become the part. So doing your homework, taking the kind of um, of athlete approach where you're doing everything you can on the practice field. So on game day, you just kind of you kind of go for it. <clears throat> it was interesting to see you just to see that you went for. Rosalind Ross to write the screenplay and di- and direct the movie, who probably wasn't overly familiar with the Catholic faith because she wasn't raised Catholic. Do you think she brought some different energy to the story that made that it made it more reliable to a broad audience? Absolutely, she's such an amazing writer. She has a toughness and grittiness about her, but she also was seeing it from a point of view of appreciating a flawed guy who was trying to find his purpose. And so I think, so I think, I think it being told from a female point of view really did make it. I don't know a little bit. um, I think it made it more relatable. The greatest people that I ever met and have been involved with helped shape me have all been very strong women. The first person to ever give me a job as an actor was a woman, Penny Marshall. You know, I wouldn't be in this business, in this position, if it wasn't for her. And the first one who really came and touched me and and pointed me in the right direction of my faith was Emily Elves, Elves the mother of uh, Mother Wellberg, friend and bodyguard of Johnny, uh, Johnny Drama, who helped him in his 20s when he came out of prison. My mom, my mom, the toughness and the grit that she showed me in raising me, nine kids, with all the struggles and challenges she faced. I've been very blessed to meet and be touched by a lot of great women. Stu went to, uh, to great lengths to woo his girlfriend by getting baptized. Did you have to go to a drastic length to woo your wife? I will tell you this. I know that when I prayed for God, uh, for God to give me a good woman, he only brought her into my life when I was prepared to, or really in, uh, in a position to deserve that and to know how to cherish that. But yes, I did go out of my way. I met her in New York 
through some mutual friends while we were out. And the next day we were doing a, a press uh, a press junket sim similar to what we're doing now for a very different kind of film. And I wanted to see how to see her again right away. So I asked her to accompany me in the next day. I said, I had an hour and she goes to do what? And I said, well, why don't we go to church? So I think, so I, so I invited her to St. Patrick Cathedral. <clears throat> so I made a good first impression and took one step forward and a couple of steps back. And after that, but that was kind of where our relationship started. So that was a good way. Why do you think you're one of the rare Catholic actors that has found a great success in Hollywood? I don't know. I attribute a lot of my personal and professional success to my faith. But I don't know but I don't know to necessarily call it within Hollywood. I don't want to jam my faith down everybody's throat, but I don't hide it. I just kind of live and exist with lots of people from lots of different walks of life. And I think, you know, I'm judged on what I bring to the table with each individual role that I play and every movie that I produce and make and the success of what I brought to each pro project and that I do. At the end of the interview, I mentioned to Mr. Wahlberg that interviewing him was the one thing I've done that has truly impressed my kids. After laughing out loud, he assured me they'll learn to appreciate all the little things you do later on. It's this very notion of gratitude that seems to dictate a lot of, of the actor's life, leading him to champion a man who showed deep spiritual gratitude at a time when he was physically diminished and facing death. Father Stu is rated R for its colorful language, but it should appeal to everyone who loves an inspiring story full of love and laughter and forgiveness. It would be in the theaters beginning April 13th. All right, so we finished that part. <laughs> so I think we can say that obviously there's going to be a lot of people, especially, um, you know, it shouldn't, it, people should realize that you got to communicate the Catholic faith to people today. If they can't be reached, if you make the faith impossible, like unwelcoming and impossible to re be related, how are they ever going to convert? How are they ever going to convert? And if you don't know how to talk to people's language, and then unfortunately sometimes that could mean... <sighs> foul language and let's face it we all use it every now and then we shouldn't but we all do but at the same time a story like this is relatable and i think it needs to be relatable all right so we're going to end it here um when i'll hopefully i'll get to see the picture i hope i get to see it with my brother and then i'll talk to you about it all right god bless